Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. It has been some time since we have been able to bring you both video and audio, but Lord willing, we will be able to once again produce both in the hopes of uh, providing as much content as your heart desires. If you want to see my face, you can do so. (laughs) If you just want to hear my voice, you can do that also. I wouldn't blame you if you just wanted to, to hear my my voice and not not see my face. I I get it. Um, now, what I'm going to do today is record. Uh, once again, this is something that that I taught in a recent TBI. And just to remind you of what a TBI is, um, Brother Keith Stences, the missionary I work with here in Uganda, he established a long time ago, um, uh, about maybe maybe if I had to guess, 15 years ago or more, um, what he calls a triannual Bible Institute. And its purpose is to, is to, to, to allow men who cannot separate themselves from their current lives uh, in Uganda. They often, they often work um, to provide for, for what they need that day. And, and so it makes it very difficult for them to be able to plan ahead and, and leave their homes and come here and go to Bible school full time. Brother Keith is working with several men who are in ministry who still need training. It's just very difficult for them to break away and come here to, to get the training they need. So what he does, instead of forcing them into a long-term situation that is difficult for them, he provides an entire semester worth of Bible school teaching in one week. And uh, it's an intensive week. It's an exciting week. We have a good time. We enjoy it. We we get to the fellowship quite a bit with the men and uh, spend time with them and teach them. And they get to fellowship together and they come from all over the country and and uh, different men in different churches. And so they get to know each other. And uh, it's just a, it's a blessed time. Uh, but this past TBI, we dealt with, you know, the biblical family and trying to teach Ugandans to establish a biblical home, which is so hard to do. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that any country is deeply embedded in its culture, but uh, countries like Uganda, it, it, is, it, it has such a grip on them. It is difficult. It's very difficult to get them to break away from their cultural norms and establish biblical ideals. And uh, of course, we, we're very clear. We don't, we don't expect them to be Americans. That's not our aim. That's not our goal. We do expect them to be biblical, and that is our aim, and that is our goal, and that is very important. And um, I, I can't reiterate to you how difficult it is to to establish that in homes. It's so exciting when we see it, but it's so rare. And so this past TBI was extremely important. It was well-received. I think some of it was difficult. Some of it was hard. Um, you know, it just, when, you, when you're dealing with God's people, trying to teach them the best you can to live in accord with God's word. But when they come from a background that is so foreign, it's, 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 it's interesting in Uganda because so many of their cultural norms are 
very much in line with with the way things were done in the Bible. Not necessarily their cultural norms are not necessarily godly, but there but there's so so much familiarity between the way they do things with their family structures and and their tribal natures, the that that Old Testament Hebrew you know, look after each other type mentality. It's here, but it's so hard to get them to break away from their deeply embedded tribal, you know, comfort zones. And um, uh, so, so it's interesting in that regard, but, but pray for us as we try and establish these things. And so we're going to start in second Chronicles chapter seven, and we're going to read verses 11 through 22. I want to give you just a brief introduction first um, discipline begins with instruction. That is unbelievably important. You, you, to some extent, you have no right to discipline your child if you have not first given them the instruction they need. Now, that's not to say that they should not be punished for doing wrong. When they do wrong, they need to be dealt with. And that's the idea we're going to look at here is to raise disciplined children in a godly manner. That's our aim. That's our goal to reproduce families that um, will serve God, live for the Lord, have character. Character, it, that's so missing in our world today. But all this begins with instruction. And it really is that simple. I can't tell you how many times with my daughter, um, we, of course, we have a son now, and and uh, he, he's five months old now, I believe. And, and um, so he, he's coming around to that time where we're, we're, we're going to start having higher expectations of him. But with our daughter, I realized that um, we were at times early on, we would, we would discipline her. We would punish her for something we, we hadn't really taught her. We had the expectation that she should not do whatever it was she was doing, but we had never conveyed that to her. We never gave her the instruction. And so we had to take a step back and, and my wife and I had to talk about this and we had to, um, we had to come up with a, with a plan to first teach her before we, we, uh, before we discipline her. One great example is, um, she, she learned how to say, I want something or she, she, she wanted something. She'd just take it. And so we began forcing her to say, please, before she could have it. And, and, uh, it's amazing how their demeanor changes and the way they ask for something and the way they do things when you make them, when you make them say, please, <laughs> it's, it's quite incredible. And, uh, so we, we were getting pretty upset with her because she would not do it, but we, it occurred to us, we never taught her to do this. We, we taught her what she could have. We taught her, we, we basically gave it to her without, without her having to ask or without her having to say please or anything of that sort. And now all of a sudden we require her to say please. And it took us two or three weeks to, to get this concept embedded in her mind. And, uh, there was some prideful, some of it was pride because she's very intelligent. She learns very quickly. Uh, so some of it was pride, but some of it was just, she just needed the instruction and she needed to have the experience of being forced to say, no, you got to say, please, you need to ask and ask nicely before you can have it. And after a few weeks, it, it was no problem at all. She did it. She did it. It was just natural to her, but we can't discipline her without first teaching her what it is that is expected of her. If you, if you take no time to instruct your child, then you have removed any reason to physically chastise them in response to something they do wrong. If you allow your child to live daily without clear instruction, then you have no reason to discipline them. They're living up to your expectations. You haven't conveyed them. You haven't, you haven't given them the instruction they need. You haven't conveyed the expectations, the limitations, the boundaries to them. What do you expect them to do? They're going to act like children and children are but few days <laughs> and full of trouble. Uh, I know they're cute and cuddly and, and all that, but uh, if you don't get them under control quickly, immediately, when they're 16, it's not cute anymore. So that discipline, that it, it, it begin, the, disciplining a child begins with proper instruction. And if you give them the proper instruction, you'll be amazed at, at the frequency 
that you will need to actually physically chastise them. It just, it, it eliminates the majority of it. If you give them good instruction and, and encourage them when they do right, but chastise them when they do wrong. And, and you'll see that they'll fall in love with the idea of trying to do what pleases you. And, and it's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. It's exciting. Uh, it's miserable when you're around a child that's had no discipline, no instruction whatsoever. They've just been left to their own and they're unbelievably obnoxious. You got to provide them the, the chastisement, the, the instruction and the chastisement and the encouragement. There's a, there's a balance there that has to be struck and, and, um, uh, I hope you'll take that up. Uh, the idea of correction assumes that you have given your child clear expectations and that they understand what will happen if they fail to meet those expectations. But if you if you have communicated nothing to that child and somehow you expect them to just know what you, what what to do on a daily basis, you're the problem, not the child. That's a failure on the parent's part. That's not a failure on the child's part. If you leave that child to just know, well, somebody's going to teach them. Somebody's going to show them something or, or else their evil imagination is going to, is going to teach them something. You don't want to do that. You need to give them clear instruction and then you need to hold them accountable and, and encourage them with, with regard to that instruction. It's, it's very, very important. If you communicate nothing to that child, that child's going to do exactly what you've communicated to them. The child will become a problem because you as a parent gave them no wisdom, no knowledge, and no understanding. And that, that, is, that is unbelievably important. That is crucial on the parent's part. Now, I want to let me pull up this passage. I want to read something to you. I want you to read along with me if you have your Bible. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 11, we'll read verses 11 through 22, and then we'll revisit some of, some of this as we, as we go. So verse 11, let's read verses 11 through 22. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord. And in his own house, he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, just a quick note. That's talking about Israel. That's not talking about America. That's not talking about Uganda. Um, there maybe there could be some biblical principle there. <laughs> you know, the more your country turns to God, then the more God will turn to them. Sure, but this promise specifically is to Solomon and his people, which is Israel. Uh, so uh, that passage—that's that's a common passage to be preached out of context. Uh, God has not promised to heal your land. If you're a Gentile nation somewhere, uh, it would be good for your nation to turn to God. I think the the fruit of that would be wonderful. It would be helpful. But um, you can't take this as a promise to your country and, and claim that for yourself. Verse 15, now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. For as for thee, if thou, if thou wilt walk before me, now this is, this is key. This is very important. What he's about to tell Solomon is going to project us into the rest of our study. So you want to listen carefully here back to verse 17. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David, thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom, according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, 
Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them, and this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them." It's a very severe warning given to Solomon and his sons, Solomon and his people. And we want to look at what God told Solomon. He, he, he turned to Solomon and he said, as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, God said, Solomon, let me tell you what to expect. I want you to know if you do right, this is what will happen. If you don't do right, if you turn against me, if you reject me, if you reject my word, this is what you should expect. God laid out the expectations very clear, and there will be a reward for obedience, and there will be consequence for disobedience. You need to actively foster an idea in your child's mind that obedience comes with good long-term reward, and disobedience comes with serious consequence. That's what God did. Now, how you handle that in your home is that's completely up to you. I'm not telling you what to do. There's so many ideas on this. There's so many books on this. And frankly, most Christians turn to psychology for an answer. They don't turn to God and ask God, what would you have me to do? How would you have me raise my family? Well, the first thing is God would say, you need to set expectations in your home. Everyone needs to know what the boundaries are, and they need to know what the consequences are for crossing those boundaries. They also need to know what the rewards are for doing right and, and for being obedient and for, for, for doing as they are asked. There should be encouragement. There should be reward. And, but when they do wrong, <laughs> there should be some discouragement. <laughs> they, they should understand when you violate that which is right, that punishment comes with it. Now, how you punish your child, again, that's, that's up to you. I'm going to show you uh, through this course of studies, there'll be a couple of them. I'm going to show you what God said, but, but that's bet- it's between you and God whether you're going to do what he says or not. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not, I'm not requiring you to do it. That's, that's, it's completely up to you. We try our best to obey what God says. We believe God is right. We believe God's word is right. And so I'm going to show you from the word of God what he said. It's up to you whether you're going to do it or not. Completely up to you. Now, back in 2 Chronicles 7, verses 17 through 18, I want to look at this in detail. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father uh, uh, walked and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom, according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. So God is speaking to Solomon, and and he's, he's not only given Solomon the expectation, but Solomon's sons, Solomon's people, they know what to expect. David was a man after God's own heart. And we know his life was not perfect. And David made many terrible mistakes. And we, we, we all completely understand that. By the way, so have you. <laughs> and so have I. So it, it, it's, that's not the point here. God said, I want you to follow. I want you to, I want you to go after my heart the way, the way David did. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. That's all right. I'm going to make mistakes. You out there, you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. But there's an expectation that God has that we're going to we're going to we're going to continually seek after God and try and align our lives with God's word. That that should be the continual theme of our life, not not a continual falling away. Uh, we're going to make dumb mistakes along the way, but the 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 ultimate reality should be that 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 we are continually seeking God and trying to be more Christ-like. 
Now, according to God, this sinful man, David, who made mess after mess, had an overall desire in his heart to seek to seek God. And that's what the Lord is looking for. Now, I don't know what measures David took to make certain that same desire was transferred from his heart to Solomon's. But God is now calling on Solomon to walk after him, to walk to walk after his father, David. Now, if if David did not spend time with Solomon, there's no chance that that got transferred to Solomon. If you want your children to serve God and to live for the Lord and you don't spend time with them, there's no chance that's going to happen. You you can have no expectation that that's going to come to fruition. In fact, you should expect that whatever it is you desire for them, it did not get implanted in their hearts and minds. If you don't spend time with them and talk with them and tell them what you expect and tell them what's on your heart, how are they going to pick that up? How are they going to learn? God promised that Solomon's kingdom would be established forever if three conditions were met. First, walk before me as David thy father. That's the first condition. David was a man after God's own heart. That's what God expects of Solomon. Second, do according to all that I have commanded thee. (laughs) Okay, how's Solomon going to do that if he doesn't spend time in the word of God? If he doesn't go to to the temple and 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 hear the word of God, if he doesn't do what kings are supposed to do and sit down and make a copy of their own of of, of the law, how's he going to follow God's commands? Number three, observe my statutes and my judgments. Now, if Solomon never spent time with his father, he has no idea what what God's talking about. If Solomon does not spend time with God, and then he can't obey his commands. And if Solomon does not spend time in God's word, he has no idea what God's statutes are and what God's judgments are. None of that happens. Now, Solomon was a unique character. He asked God for wisdom. God gave it to him. But I think Solomon is a perfect example of what happens if wisdom comes to you without the experience needed to make sense of it. It's one thing to have wisdom. It's another thing to have the, 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 the experience to be able to apply that wisdom to your own life in a proper way. Let's look again at 2 Chronicles 7, verses 19 through 22. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. So the Lord instructs Solomon. Then he turns to his people more broadly. And then he turns back to Solomon again. He goes to Solomon, he says, as for thee, and God lays out his expectations as well as the reward if Solomon will meet those expectations, if he will serve God the way the way God asks. Then the Lord informs Solomon how things will go if he turns away from the Lord. God says, if you forsake my statutes and my commandments, I will make this place a proverb and a byword. The word proverb in the Bible, it's, it's a very interesting term. Now, we, we define it in reference to the sayings, wise sayings, uh, parables of sorts. But in the Bible, the word proverb was not just a saying. It, it was a saying that came from something that happened to someone, <laughs> It was a proverb because someone actually went through this. Someone actually dealt with that proverb exists because it happened to someone's life. It it, it is, it is the result. It is the consequences of what took place in someone's heart, mind and, and physical life. And so it's not just a wise saying. God said, I will make you a proverb. (laughs) 
you don't want to be made a proverb unless it's a good one. Um, God is warning Solomon, if you fail to keep my statutes and my commandments, I will make you and this place a proverb. So then it makes sense that Solomon, who did fail to live up to God's requirements, that's who God used to write the book of Proverbs. You read Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and, and you see the, the torment this man went through trying to live a double life. Um, it, whether he was a man after God's own heart or not, that's, that's really hard to tell. Um, sometimes it seems he was, and other times it, it, he was too focused on his concubines or Egypt or <laughs> um, some of the other things God told him not to be focused on. And, and he did it anyway. So, so we can learn in the book of Proverbs. In, in fact, there, there's, a, there's a correlation here between raising disciplined children and, and, and seeing that by looking at the life of Solomon and what he told his sons in the book of Proverbs. So, Solomon was expected to walk after his father, to keep God's statutes and commands, but it seems that Solomon failed, but he took God's instruction very seriously. He failed to apply it in his own life, but he, he did not fail to transfer that instruction to his sons. Whether his sons heeded that instruction or not, that's a whole other story, and, and there might be reasons why they did or did not. If we look at the, the uh, prevailing hypocrisy in their father's life. But if we look at them, we look at Solomon, the instruction he gave them, um, it's very interesting to look at the book of Proverbs in light of all this. Um, the father needs to teach the children. The father needs to train the children to walk after the Lord and to keep his statutes and commands. It needs to be taught to your children. It's not the church's job to do it. It's not your school's job to do it. God forbid you let the government teach your children anything ever at all. But it's your job. It's up to you. In fact, if mom and dad don't teach your, if you don't teach your children what God wants them to know, and then do your best to be a good example of that, your children have no chance. It's over for them. They have no hope whatsoever. And you should have no expectation that they're going to do anything for God if you don't teach them. So 23 times in the book of Proverbs, Solomon cries out to his sons, begging them to follow his instruction. Now, we're not going to read all of them, but we're going to look at several of them. And we want to look at the instruction that, that Solomon gave his sons. And we'll see how it, how it corresponds to having disciplined children. We can start in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head, and chains about thy neck. All of that is extremely important. You, you want them to have... You want them to understand instruction. You want them to have the law. But, but, the, but these are not limiting factors to take away their fun. <laughs> no, they, they are ornaments of grace and they are chains at the same time. They will direct them in the, in the way that is right and that is good and that is proper. And it will, it will, as a chain about their neck, it will prevent them from going into that which is not right. But somebody's got to give them the instruction. Hear the instruction of thy father. Well, that father's got to be there. The father has to show up and give the instruction. Forsake not the law of thy, of thy mother. Well, mother, are you there to give them the law? Your law, uh, instruction, law should be established in your home, your household. This is not the law of Moses. This is a mother saying, this is how we live. This is who we are. These are the boundaries that we have because of who we are, because of our association with the word of God and with our church and with the name of Jesus Christ. And with all this in place, 
These should be limiting factors that help bolster your character and make you into a godly young man or a godly young woman. Do your children know the law of their mother? Have they, heard, have they received any instruction from their father? The next time you get upset with your children for something they've done, I want what I'd like you to do is sit down and think about it. Did, have I told them anything about that? Have I given them any instruction that would have prevented them from, from going that direction? Or did I just expect them to know? And they don't know. They need to be instructed. Are they given clear guidance and expectations from their mother and their father? Now, if both are not present, one or the other is going to have to pick up the job and get it done. You have to instruct them. You have to teach them. They have to know. Are they given clear guidance and expectations the way God gave Solomon? God didn't beat around the bush. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I don't want you to be upset with me, but, you know, here are the rules. <laughs> no, Solomon. Here's what will happen if you do right, and here's what will happen if you do wrong. And Solomon, I'm going to follow through on it in either direction. So be very, be very careful. Choose wisely. Do your children know and understand the boundaries of life as instructed by their parents? My daughter, it's such a blessing to me to watch her grow and, and to see the work that, my, that, that myself, but primarily my wife. My wife spends the most time with them. She takes time to instruct them, to teach them. She sits with her and reads with her. And, and my, my daughter's not even two years old yet. And she knows multiple Bible verses. She can come up to you and sing just about any hymn you can think of. I mean, my daughter walks around our house singing Man of Sorrows. That's one of her favorite hymns. And she knows all the words to it. Man, that, that blesses my heart. But that is the result of a mother who spends time with her teaching her. Uh, that is a result of a father. I put her to bed every night and I sing those songs with her every night, just about every night. It's very rare that I don't. And, and if I don't, my wife does it. And my wife sings the same hymns with her. You know, she, my wife, my, my, my wife, my daughter comes up to, up to me and my wife all the time and says, you know, can we sing come thou fount? Uh, can we sing, you know, man of sorrows? Can we sing, what a day that will be. I mean, just things you wouldn't expect to come out of a child that's not even two years old yet. And it's a blessing. We have encouraged her. We have tried to teach her. These are the things that we love. These are the things that we value. And this is what we expect of you. And here's what's going to happen if you cross the boundary, if you cross the line. Um, are they just left on their own? You're going to let the village teach them? Have you seen the village in your country lately? You want some green-haired freak of a woman teaching your child what's right and what's wrong? You want some transgender, confused individual telling your child what's right and what's wrong? I, surely you don't want that. The reason that exists is because parents failed to teach their children and they allowed, they, they didn't, not, not only allowed, they expected that the school system was going to do that for them. And now here we are in complete, total, utter confusion. Some of you can't even hear what I'm going to teach you in these lessons because your mind is so saturated in, in the way that this world thinks. You think there's something wrong with what I'm saying. And that's exactly the problem. What I'm saying is biblically correct. And if that's, if that's hard for you to hear and hard for you to take, uh, that means your mind is saturated with, with what this world has to say. And that's a sad thing. That means you have no hope. Your child has no hope. And, and I hope you will repent of that and just trust God and do what God said in his word. Solomon said, my son, my son, please hear the instruction of your father and your mother. Because if you don't, God is going to make a proverb of us. Again, God is talking to, to, for the most part, to Israel. All right, this takes us back to 2 Chronicles. But the principle is still true. Which, which home do you think is going to be blessed? The one that, that reads the Bible together every night and, and sings hymns that, that, that honor and glorify the Lord? Or one that sits around the TV watching homosexuals 
parade around and, 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 and encourages you to drink alcohol and to do all sorts of ungodliness. You know the answer to that. You know, we don't have a television. We have, we have a monitor in our home that, that monitors our, our, you know, security cameras because we're in Uganda and, and people want to pay unsolicited, unsolicited visits every now and then. But that's it. I have a computer. And what we watch on that computer is what we choose to watch, which will be Come Thou Fount, Man of Sorrows, Preaching by Brent Logan, James Knox, Ron Ralph, uh, Tim Crotts, good men who will teach my family to love God and, and to live right. And so you got to get these things squared away in your home. Do you want your home to be made a proverb? Do you want to be a do you want to be a bad example of what a Christian is? Now people will look at us and wonder what we did that would cause God to treat us so harshly. That's what Solomon said. People are going to they're going to look at you and say, "Man, what did what did he do to upset God?" Well, what he did was disobeyed God's word. Someone has to teach that child. That someone has to be you. Proverbs 1, verse 10 through 14, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent uh, without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil, cast in thy lot among us and let us have one purse. That's exactly what the world, the world, the world has its own evangelist. Come with us. Cast your lot in with us. You can even call yourself a Christian. Just dye your hair green, put some metal in your face and, and tell everybody you're (laughs) non-binary. Whatever that means. (laughs) Non-binary. It sounds like an electrical current. (laughs) Uh, It just, it's, it's ridiculous. The danger you're in, if you don't follow God's instruction, you must teach your children not to follow sinners. They have to be told that they have to, you have to identify these are sinful men, sinful people. Don't follow them. Here are sinners who want to follow Jesus Christ. Follow them. They have to be taught who good men are. You have to teach them to be lovers of good men, but that's not going to happen watching television and, and Netflix and, and, and every other ungodly source of content that exists in this world. You've got to break away from this world, sit down with your family, spend quality time with them and teach them, instruct them. You should not assume they know it is wrong to follow sinful men. You've got to teach them to be lovers of good men. You've got to teach them who sinful men are, teach them who good men are. Don't make the mistake of letting them figure it out on their own. You're going to be heartbroken. You're not going to be, you're not going to be happy with how it turns out. It's not going to be good. Teaching this starts from day one. The longer you wait to teach your children, (laughs) the far more difficult it becomes. Once it's too late, and there is a point in which it's too late. Once your child's mind is formed around the the people and the content and the music and everything that, that, that you've allowed them to be a part of, you have allowed to be a part of their life, you have allowed it to form them and shape them, Oh, we, we try to be so careful with our daughter. She picks things up so quickly. We've got to be extremely careful. One mistake with that child and whatever got put into her mind will be there forever. I don't want her having to fight those things the rest of her life. I want her to have a well-balanced view of this world from a biblical perspective. And God willing, that's what we're going to try to do the rest of the, with, with, with the rest of her days. And when she goes on her own, it's up to her from there. But as long as she's in my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to look to Jesus. We're going to look to the word of God for guidance, not to the freaks of this world who want control over your children and who you allow to have control over your children through television and Hollywood and and uh, social media and every every other ungodly source that is available to us. You've got to break away from these things. You might have to hang them up. Proverbs 1, verse 15 through 19, my son, 
Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. That's where we are. If people want what you have, they will take your life to get gain, land, homes, iPhones, <laughs> whatever. They will take your life just to just to just for a little bit of gain. And the Bible says to teach your son, don't walk with them. Don't don't even step foot in their path. You know, generally speaking, there are places that sinful men go. Did you know that? <laughs> or have you so blurred that line in your heart and mind that you don't know you don't know the difference anymore? There's even a way in which they go there. You know, you can go to you can go to a good place the wrong way. Dressed wrong, thoughts wrong, acting wrong, looking wrong, listening to what's wrong, watching what's wrong as you try and go somewhere that's right. <laughs> You've got to be careful. You've got to teach your children. We don't go to these places and, and we don't go this way because in this area and these places with these people, it's ungodly and we're not going to be part of it. You can, go, you can go to different parts of any town anywhere in the world and the people know that is where the drunkards are. That is where the drug addicts are. That is where the sodomites are. Did you know that in, in nearly every town, there's an entire section of town dedicated to homosexuals? And everyone knows that this is, this is the area where, where all the homosexuals are. In Philadelphia, I believe it's called the Gaberhood. All the crosswalks have the gay pride flags painted on, on, down as the crosswalks. It's, you, 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 it's unmistakable where you are once you've gotten there. Better teach your children. Don't go that way. If you don't teach them, if you don't teach them to stay out of that path, don't, don't even let one toe touch it, then they're going to succumb to it. They're going to go so far down that road, you're going to be looking back thinking, I, I just, I never thought. <laughs> but why would you not think that? God is telling you clearly, if you don't instruct your children, this is what's going to happen. You, you, you got to be careful. We're not even talking about salvation. We're not even talking about church attendance. These are basic biblical principles that you need to instill in the hearts and mind of your child immediately. Proverbs 2 verses 1 through 5. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is a key passage. In this passage, God makes the link between instruction of parents and the child's understanding and knowledge of God. Do you want this world to teach your children who God is? You better teach them. You want them. Do you want them to know who God is? You want them to live for the Lord? You better teach them. That child must receive the words and he must hide the commandments in his heart. But the father and the mother must provide the instruction. If that child is left to his own, he will hide something in his heart. <laughs> You're not going to be happy about what it is. In fact, there's something in his heart already, and he needs the instruction from his parents to help him get it out, to help him make, make clear what it is. The, the, the double-sided nature of this situation is essential to understand. Your child must receive instruction. That is the responsibility given them by God. Right? You have to teach them what those responsibilities are. If they are, if they are a rebellious child, and refuse instruction, then you are, you are to encourage them to receive that instruction. <laughs> now, again, how you encourage them, that, that's up to you. All right. I, again, we're going at some point in the next lesson or two, we're going to go over what God said about how to encourage them to do right. 
but it's up to you whether you pick that up or not. They must know that failure to be obedient and to be submissive will have consequences. Now, the second part is receive my words and hide my commandments. This assumes you are speaking to your child in a meaningful way. This assumes you are commanding your child, not letting the child command you. The Bible says, woe unto you. Woe unto you when women and children are your rulers. That's, that's not a position you want to be in. You don't want women and children to be your rulers. But we're, we're just about there. It, it's your words and your commandments that should encourage your child to incline unto wisdom and apply their heart to understanding and cry after knowledge. And the result will be a child who understands the fear of the Lord and finds the knowledge of God. It, it's the Bible, you know, first Corinthians 15, 31 through 34, the Bible says, if someone within your sphere of influence does not have the knowledge of God, I speak this to your shame. If your children grow out without the knowledge of God, you, you can't blame the church. You can't blame the schools. You can't blame the government. It's your fault. If the people in your life have not the knowledge of God, the Lord says, I speak this to your shame. Someone has to instruct them. Someone has to command them until they are able to seek the Lord on their own. But that, that all comes from someone who loves them, teaching them, showing them, helping them know, helping them understand. That has to come from you, mom, dad. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 2. My son... Forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Who doesn't want their child to have peace? Who doesn't want peace in their home? You must give them the law. That is, again, that is your requirements and expectations of them as a parent. And then you must encourage them to keep them. And of course, this assumes your expectations are, are of, a, of a biblical nature. I mean, what, what exactly are you expecting of them? Anything other than what the word of God says, then, then you're, you're, you're starting off on the wrong foot in the wrong direction in the first place. While they are children or while they live under your roof, <laughs> you instruct them how they will live on a daily basis. If my daughter is 40 years old and lives in my house, she's going to live according to the rules, according to the laws that we have laid down in our house, which will be of a biblical nature. If she doesn't want to live that way, well, that's okay. She's a big girl. She can move on. Now, I don't want her to. I love my daughter. I told her she has to stay with me forever. And as long as she's willing to abide by these rules, she can stay with me forever. If she's not going to be a godly young lady and she's going to be a... a you know, one of the freaks of this world, then she's got to go. I love you, but there's the door. Get out. You choose your child's friends. It'll never be said of my child, she made a friend today. <laughs> not, not that we don't know of, not that we did not approve of. It's not happening. You pick your child's friends. You inform them who, who will not be their friends. You can be friends with that child. You cannot be friends with that child. And, and be very clear about it. If you will give them the law, and if their heart will, will keep your commandments, length of days, long life, and peace. What a, what a distinction from the confusion of this world. Why would you want to live in the confusion of this world when you could have Length of days, long life, and peace. What do you want for your children? Like, what exactly do you want? You, you've got to teach them. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not. 
and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. When thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Uh, All sounds wonderful to me. But number one, first thing, the children are, are instructed to hear. The instruction of a father. Do your children have a father to instruct them? Now, growing up, for the most part, I did not. My mom was 16 years old and homeless when she had me. And uh, at some point, my my stepfather came on the scene and he did his best to help us and to teach us. But my mom was a hardworking woman with three children, a hardworking single woman with three children. Um, there's just not much instruction going on there. She did the best she could with what she knows and what she had. But but because the family was started in an ungodly fashion, it just progressed in an ungodly direction from there. I didn't get saved till I was 29 years old and, and, and began to learn that these things needed to be turned around. Lord willing, my daughter will never, never have to go through that. If, 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 they, if your children have a father, does he instruct them? Does he teach them? Does he spend time with them? They're told, children are told to attend to no understanding. The Bible says that understanding is a wellspring of life. A man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. What do you want for your children? It doesn't come to them magically. They're not going to get it through osmosis. <laughs> You've got to teach them. The son's father taught him, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, get wisdom, get understanding, and do not decline from the words of my mouth. They were told, wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom, get understanding. And this pursuit comes with great reward. But someone has to teach them. Someone has to instruct them and direct them and point them in in the right way. Boundaries have to be set. Encouragement has to be given. Proverbs 4, verses 10 through 19. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. And the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away, for they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light, that shineth more and more under the perfect day. The day of the wicked is as darkness, they know not at what they stumble." (laughs) Terrible situation to be in. My son, receive my sayings. Again, this father, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. Not only did he teach them and lead them, he taught them not to go in the wrong direction. He told them not to go in the path of the evil. The father further instructs them, take take fast hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Keep her. She is thy life. You have to understand our lives and the, the, the way we think are composed of the collections of instruction we receive over the years. It, that, it's, it's a major aspect of, of, of what forms who we are. If you fail to instruct your child, someone or something will do it for you. In fact, there are, there are complete monsters in this world hoping they can be the one to instruct your children. Sodomites, homosexuals, transgender, uh, you know, gender dysphoria, gender confused people. They openly state they want to go after your children. Schools have Transgender people dressed in lingerie, dancing disgusting and provocative ways 
in front of your children. You better get involved. You better get involved in your child's life because they are going to be swept away. This father's instruction concerning the wicked do not enter into their path. If you, if you locate the path of the wicked, get away. Do not go the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. Run. Somebody's got to teach them that. Somebody's got to help them to understand that and that somebody needs to be you. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee the froward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Again, the source of the child's wisdom, understanding, and knowledge begins with carefully chosen words of a mother and a father. Attend to my words. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Memorize them. Proverbs 5, verses 1 through 13. My son, attend unto uh, unto my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of thy of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come nigh, come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger, and thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me? Hmm. That's what we're talking about. Attend to my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding. Don't make any decision without first understanding that decision. That thou mayest... That thou mayest, what would be the result of attending to the wisdom of others and hearing their understanding? You would regard discretion. The Bible says a good man will guide his affairs with discretion. That thy lips may keep knowledge. The reason so many grown men say ignorant things is because their parents gave them no wisdom. They gave them no understanding or they did not incline themselves to wisdom and understanding. It's sad, it's frustrating to hear how filthy this world is. They lack wisdom, they lack understanding, they lack knowledge. Nobody taught them. Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 5, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Again, take your father and your mother's words and commandments, bind them to your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Are, are, they, are they receiving those commandments? Are they receiving that wisdom? Are they receiving that instruction? That's up to you, mom and dad. Proverbs 19.27, we'll go through these last few uh, quickly. It's, it's redundant, but... How could something so redundant in the Bible not not be manifest in the world? It's it, it can't be manifest in the world if you're not doing it. Proverbs 19, verse 27, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. If, if the instruction, if, if the people you're listening to are going to teach you to, to err from knowledge, stop listening. Don't even listen to them. Well, that would mean you got to turn your television off. 
Are you willing to do that? That means you might have to cancel the Netflix subscription. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do what, is, what it takes to be obedient to God and to build your children up with good, godly instruction? This time we are instructed from the negative perspective. Cease, my son. Don't listen to those people. They will cause you to live in error and, and, and in exchange for their instruction, listen to the instruction of godly parents. That's, that's what God says here. Proverbs 23, verses 15 through 17. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Where's that fear going to come from? It is, it is a tremendous joy to see our children obey. It, it, it's so good. Man, it's good. It's a blessing. And it's so frustrating when they disobey. But to see, to see them go out of their way to be obedient, what, what a guru. I wonder how that makes God feel. When I think about how it makes my heart feel to see my daughter go out of her way, sometimes she'll come and tell us, I'm not supposed to touch that. So I'm not going to touch it. it it's, it's so good and so cute and, and so wonderful. I wonder how it makes God feel if we were to do that. Proverbs 23, verses 19 through 22. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begot thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. You know, Uganda is considered a uh, a country in deep poverty, and the people here often wonder why. You know, why are we so impoverished? Well, Uganda is also considered one of the drunkest nations on planet Earth. <laughs> it's a very interesting connection. There's no instruction, homes are broken, families are, are so confused, and they're drunk. What do you expect is going to happen? Look at Proverbs 23, verses 23 through 28. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth the wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. My son... Give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways for a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey and increaseth the transgressors among men. Joy comes in two forms. When a child is born, first, when the mother has delivered the child, according to the book of John, she has joy because the child was brought into the world. The second time is when after teaching, instructing, and correcting, you realize that child has become wise, and it's a wonderful thing to see. Proverbs 24, verses 21 through 22, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change, for their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? Fear the Lord and the king, and that does mean what you think it means. Fear God and fear your government. Do what the government says unless they ask you to violate God. If they ask you to violate God's word, then you fear God more than you fear the government. But up until that point, you need to fear both and respect both and obey both. You'll go a long way (laughs) if you will. But somebody's got to teach your child to do that. You don't want your child to be so rebellious that they can't get along in life and the government constantly has to deal with them. That's not going to be good. They're going to have a terrible life. It's unnecessary. So teach them, my son, you're going to obey the government. You're going to do what they say. I understand you don't like that. You may not want that, but, but that's what you're going to have to do. Proverbs 27, 11, my son, be wise and make thy heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. Uh, the day you realize you have raised children that, in, that engage life with wisdom, your heart will be so glad. But when they don't, when they don't, uh, it's, it's going to bring you shame. But it doesn't have to. You can teach your child. So first and most important aspect of disciplined children 
instruction, commands, laws, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. If you are not there, or if your children are not with you, then you will have no opportunity to provide these invaluable aspects of their character. But someone is going to teach them, and you have no idea what they may be taught. That should be, that should be a frightful thought. That should terrify you. I hope it does. After they've been instructed, then comes the physical discipline when necessary. And that's what we'll talk about in our next lesson. If you endure to the end of this, bless your heart. I, I, hope, I hope you'll take it to heart. I hope you will instruct your children and protect their hearts and minds from the abundance of evil this world would, would, would like to inflict upon them, would like them to be part of. Teach them to honor God. Teach them to obey their government. And, the, and their lives will be so good. It, it really will. You can believe God. He's right. Thank you for listening. And God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.